Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, anywhere you get your podcast, totally free. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode, and thank you for tuning in. As I tell you guys every week, the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, all originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific on Sirius XM Channel 103 Faction Talk or anytime live or on demand on the Sirius XM app. If you are in the U.S. or Canada, you can get Sirius XM and you're only listening to this podcast, you are only getting like a tiny fraction of what I do live on the radio every day. So come on board and join me for the Daily Trunk Nation on Sirius XM 103. There's also a sixth show on Mondays, 5 to 8 Eastern on Hair Nation. Six live shows a week on Sirius XM. Come on board if you're in the U.S. or Canada. And I got a great offer for you. Won't cost you a penny to do so. You can try for three months Sirius XM, either through the app or over the phone, or I should say through the app maybe on your phone (laughs) or on your radios, however you want to listen. And all you got to do to get a free trial is go to SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. No credit card required, three months free to try it out and hear the show every day live and get involved and call in and hear everything 
besides the little bit that we bring you here on this podcast. Have a great interview for you this week, and we are fast-tracking this because it's major and it's newsworthy. Earlier this week, I world-premiered the first-ever new music from Mick Mars outside of Motley Crue. Mick has a brand-new song called Loyal to the Lie, which you probably have heard by now. The video is out there right now as well. And Mick let me and told me a long time ago he wanted me to premiere the song, and he was good to his word because I did exactly that this past Monday. Mick followed that up with a visit to my SiriusXM show, Trunk Nation, on Tuesday of this past week, where he talked for an hour straight about his new record, the people that are on it, and yes, of course, some conversation about Motley Crue. Really appreciate Mick taking the time to do this. It is a newsworthy and timely interview, so I thought we'd get it on right away on the podcast, and it just happened live this past Tuesday. We're getting it turned around for you really quick on this one. So we're giving it to you this week, Mick Mars, talking about his new album and a whole lot more. And a very important note, when you hear the interview, Mick says during the interview that his album will be released on February 27th. That is incorrect. He made a mistake. The actual release date for the new album is February 23rd. So remember when you hear this throughout the interview, he mentions a release date of the 27th a couple times. That was in error. The album will actually be out on February 23rd. So mark that on your calendars for Mick's first ever solo album, The Other Side of Mars. With all that being said, here is the one and only Mick Mars on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. How are you, Mick? I'm great. How are you? I am great. Congratulations. Thank you for letting me break the new song yesterday. Of course, it's out everywhere right now, including the great yeah. video for it, which we'll discuss. How does it feel for you after all of this time to finally have this song, at least a song out there? Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you, I had a few stumbling blocks, you know, here and there and like brain locks and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, I did take my time on it, of course, because I wanted it to be what I'm hearing in my head. <laughs> it sounds weird, but sometimes it, it, it just does that. You know, I go, mm -mm. but you know what? It's awesome to have it. And I'm so, so, so happy that you premiered it for me. That is well, the yeah. best thing ever. <laughs> well, that's very ever. kind of you. You know, I told people you and I talked a long time ago and you had mentioned it. And I said, Mick is absolutely a man of his word. And I think back Mick to what it took to get to yesterday playing it. And even today with the, uh, the official release, because you had a few moments over the years where you reached out to me and you were about to release something. And then it kind of came to a halt. So what was you know, what were the biggest stumbling blocks to get to this point where it was like start, stop, or there was a point you even put some clips out on YouTube at one point. So, so tell yeah. me about the whole odyssey to get to where we are now. Um, I, you know, a lot of the songs when I was writing them, I listen back and I go, oh, it's a little too weak for Mars, you know? And then, you know, I mean, my commitments to my band and, you know, touring and stuff back absolutely came first for me you know dedication you know to, to my band and you know and and doing that first and putting my stuff on on the back burner 
at the time when I had time, then I would work on it. So, you know, that, that's about, you know, a few, that's what I mean. It's like a few things like, you know, always, you know, getting your way, you know, not in, not in that sense of getting in the way, but, you know, you have priorities that you got to prioritize, you know, and do that stuff, you know, first. Then when, when did, when the, when did the idea, obviously you were still very much in Motley Crue when all of this was being planned and you were thinking about doing your own record, but how far mm -hmm. back did you first get the desire to want to make a record of your own? Like, was this something like, even in, as long as this took to make, were you thinking about it even prior to that? Was there a certain point in your life or your career, or your time with Motley where you said, you know, I want to put out a record and do my, and show my own thing as well. Um, you know, I, I've always thought it, I never really went up to the band and go like, well, I'm going to do this, you know, and, you know, it was kind of like, you know, my, my, like I said, my priorities first, but I, I've like thought about doing it like for, for years and years and years. I, uh, even in the, in the nineties and early nineties, I go like, I'm going to do, you know, solo thing you know but um never really got a chance to really dig into it you know mm. and you, that's about Nick, it you, you know <laughs> i've you, always been you, would, you know what well, I, I can go back and say you know when i was 14 years old sitting on the end of my bed you know playing a, a guitar with no pickups on <laughs> and right. and thinking that as well you know i said that you, i went like one of these days i'm gonna have a band and all the music that I write will be on TV, uh, uh, movies, um, uh, radio, this, 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 this. I've said it for a long time, but you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a weird kid when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mick, I, I remember in a past interview, I asked you once, like, how uh, the closest you ever came to leaving Motley Crue, because of course, Tommy left at one point, Vince left at one point. We know all that. And I remember I asked yeah. you, it might've been on the old TV show. I don't remember where did you ever come close to leaving? And the answer you gave me was yes. Around the time of generation swine. So were yeah. you thinking even back then, Hey, maybe this is time for you to go and do, do something solo. Um, you know, that, that era, right there uh, the, uh, the generation swine was was a bit difficult for me and and it was difficult for me because the you know the band was really trying to uh reinvent itself when it really didn't because we weren't it, it was really hard for me to come up with stuff that uh, well, the producer of that record, to make it short, that sounds too much like a guitar. Not really. <laughs> a guitar, you know. And, but that that one was that one was a little rough on me, you know. But we got through it, you know. It's like we're supposed to do, you know, like as a band, you know. And yeah, that that was you know that was that. But yeah, I mean, it it was hard and. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of stress. The material on this record, um, the other side of Mars. First of all, do you have a release date for the actual full record yet? February twenty seventh, if I 
got it right, but I think it's like February 27th. Is that the last day? Okay. Yeah. I think around there. I just got one from uh, a letter from my management. Well, Serena did, my wife. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure she said around the 27th of February. So it's right around there. The one thing, the other thing, Mick, when we talk about the the time of getting this record together and the amount of time that that passed, I think you had also said when we were texting about it at one point, you'd said something like, one of the other challenges were was also the fact that when you think about it, in the forty years plus that you were actively in Motley Crue, you mm-hmm. you were the one guy that never really did anything outside of the band. So I would imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong, that. The, the, beyond the actual music and what it's going to be and who you're going to work with was also mm-hmm. just setting it up, right? I mean, management, record label, uh, publishing, all of that, because it was all, you were always under the Motley Crue umbrella. So, so ste- even it, with as much experience as you had, was it challenging to kind of navigate all of the business end of it as well? Um, well, luckily I have a lot of good advisors, you know, and uh are you there yep i'm i got you oh okay my my internet's been going out every now and then um no, you're good okay cool um but it was like i you know like i said i had really good advisors and uh kind of like you know keeping me in the direction of, of things you know realities there's what you can do now is um anyway to make it like you know not so boring and long is i did start doing some things with uh with you know with my my logo 1313 and so uh all all the business in and all the the aspects and you know stuff like that is like like i said my advisors helped me walk through it and my getting back to 13 i'm jumping around because i'm i'm you know, a lot of thoughts in my head about that. But um, thirteen thirteen is my own record label, so I didn't need to go out and shop my record. Mm-hmm. And so I put it on my own label, and MRI is distributing it around the world. So got it. You know, so it's like I own everything. <laughs> You know, without having to be uh, tied to a record label, really. <laughs> well, that, that abs- no, no, but that's that's the way of the world now. I mean, there's more and more even younger artists doing that, and certainly established artists that have a built-in following like you do. There's a lot of them that absolutely take that path. Why would you not want to? Why would you want to give it up if you don't have to? You want to own and control it. So I, I think that's a smart yeah. move. Um, I want to ask you, before we talk about the band now and the record and the song and all of that, just one more Mm -hmm. thing on the past and building up to this. At one point, you were working with John Karabi on some stuff for this record. Did any of that Mm -hmm. make it or did that not work out? What what went on there? Um, I felt the songs were just a little not strong enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guy was like, you know, there was a certain person that like, uh, kind of like uh, interfered with that. And I'm not going to say his name, but 
he kind of like messed some things up. The songs were wrong, parts in there that shouldn't be there. And blah, 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 blah. It's like, it isn't a long story, but it was kind of like, nope, <laughs> that ain't going to fly. So I shelved it. So it wasn't John. It was there was a third party involved that you felt kind of mucked it up. I kind of duped. Is what I have to say. You know. Okay. Uh, by a by a third party, and that's it. That's that's all. You know. Got rid of him, and went on and searched for other people. I mean, look, I found Michael Michael uh, Wagner after a while. <laughs> he lives just down the street. You know. <laughs> Pretty well, crazy. That- well, that brings us up to speed because I, I mean, I've known Michael forever and I think Michael's kind of retired now, but he, he, uh, he did work on this record, right? Yes. He actually produced it. Okay. So, um, cause he was one of the guys we heard early on was involved in, in, uh, in working with you. So he, he stayed in the picture pretty much through the entire thing. Yes. And you know, it's, what was odd about it is like a, when Michael and I were, were talking, is like he did the first Molly record. Before there was Molly, there was he produced um, a song by a cover band that I was in. And I mean, all those guys like Udo, Dirk Schneider from Accept, and all those guys were just like hanging out. They wanted me to play in their band, Accept. So I added a choice of except for Molly, you know, that guy. It's just weird. But anyway, I'll get back. I'm sorry. I jumped around everywhere. No, I'm no, I love this. Are you kidding me? And um, the I never heard that before. The idea of you possibly being in a very German band like Accept and play. But yeah. you know what? I can I can understand that, though, because one of the things that's such a trademark about your playing is your tone. And I want to talk about yeah. that, but man, that your tone in Accept would have absolutely worked because Wolf Hoffman oh, yeah. has that big tone too. You know, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, huge, huge. But yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I um, uh, of course, I chose Motley Crue, um, and uh, Michael did my first recordings and my last. I'm the last one that he produced. How's that for cool? Right, because he did retire. I remember him telling me he was pretty much done. Um, but that yep. that is pretty cool that that you bookend his his career. That's that is awesome. So as far as the the one song that people can hear now, "Loyal to the Lie," which again we premiered yesterday, it's out now. The video's out. Let Let's talk about what who is on this record and who is a part of it. Um, you, Wagner produces it, and then one of the guys who I know had a, a lot to do with it according to the uh, the press release, is Paul mm-hmm. Taylor, best known for being in Winger, very talented mm-hmm. writer, musician. Tell me how, I know Paul lives there in Nashville. Tell me how you ended up yeah. uh, getting him involved in the material. Well, um, with Paul, um, Michael introduced me to Paul. And uh, I go, uh, Paul Taylor, and I go like, what band? And he goes, Winger and Alice Cooper. He played with Alice Cooper, too, for a while. And I went, cool. And he came over and he listened to a couple of the really rough ideas that I had. And we just like, it, it, it was like, uh, um, I don't know, like a, a chemistry that he and I had together. And 
we just like pulled off a bunch of really cool stuff right away. <laughs> this is great. This is cool. And because the guy, the guy is like way more talented than anybody would think, you know, I mean, multi-instrumentalist, I mean, he does a lot of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, really, really cool guy down to earth. No, no, I, I, you know him, don't you? Oh yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, so you know how he is. He's just like mellow all the time. Totally. No, no kind of like we'll do it this way. No, you won't. You're going to do this. You know, none of that stuff. It's just like whoosh, straight ahead. Let's go. You know, it, it, it was uh, a, a new experience, I guess. You know. Um, so did he co-write with you most of the tracks? Um, he did, um, uh, Jacob did, um, but, but me being me, right. It's like, uh, what I, well, I did the old Nashville split. You know what that is? No. Okay. Well, I go like this. Okay. A Nashville split is like, Who's ever involved, you know, with without any kind of writing or whatever, when all the all is said and done, it's just like the publishing, the this, the this, the this, the this. How the main songwriter takes the bulk of the money. Mm-hmm. I go, no, we're doing a Nashville. It's a third, a third, a third for each of us. I get thirty-three and a third penny. <laughs> you oh, know, so right. that's how I, I set it up and. And did it that way because, you know, it's like, why? Why would you, you greedy bastard? You know, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a good way but, to keep yeah. the peace, too. You know, that's a, that's always because you always have those situations where in any band, if there's one guy that writes all the songs, gets all the publishing, he's getting all the money, and the other yeah. three guys are angry, and it ends up leading to animosity. Exactly. That, you know, I, I, you know I, I don't know if this would – ever become a band but you know it's like if i'm working with them again or whatever you know i maybe i'm just different or something but it fair is fair to me it's like if you if you're going to have somebody write with you they need their share you know even if they're sitting in the room let's say they're entitled mm. to something and it's 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 just the way i think you know, uh, that's I mean, that's awesome, Mick. That's that's very admirable. Now, you mentioned Jacob. Jacob Bunton is the mm-hmm. singer on most of the tracks. Jacob is another yeah. old friend. Jacob is another immensely talented guy. Uh, people mm-hmm. that may not know Jacob. He had a band back in the day called Linum. He also did. Uh, he sang for a brief time with Steven Adler. But Jacob has this whole mm-hmm. other side to him that people don't really yeah. are not aware of his talent as a producer, as a writer. He does stuff in pop music that people would never imagine. Mm-hmm. Very talented mm-hmm. guy, and I'm so glad he's a part of this. And he is the singer on "Loyal to the Lie." How did you? I yeah. imagine you went through trying to find singers for a, a bit here. How did you end up getting connected with Jacob, who's an LA guy? Uh, <laughs> hold on a minute. I bought a kid a bit of a cold, but um, interestingly enough, it just went down the line because Paul knew Jacob. <laughs> oh, okay. 
And I'm just going like, I need like a singer, you know, somebody that's like, you know, and, and when Jacob came in, I, you know, I was shocked because he's about, weighs about two pounds and he's six foot five. (laughs) And he looks like, and Mick, he looks like he just walked off the cover of too fast for love. (laughs) I I know. huh? But uh, yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and, but, but he came in and he brought it home, you know, it's like, you know, here and most of those songs are like pretty much one take you know and there's like a couple little things here and there but it's like so (laughs) you know it's like it's an easy fix because you know on pro tools and that kind of crap you got a little pitch shifter that you can just go like and it's Mm -hmm. just about a millionth of a millionth of a million millimeter off you know, like whatever. First takes to me are always the best takes because when they come in with a second take, they're trying too hard. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, well, it's just a, a lot of a lot of those songs are mostly first takes. And, oh, that's uh, amazing. With the uh, aside from you know the the harmonizing and that stuff with Jacob. Also did on, you know, all of the songs, uh, right. with the exception of of um, Killing Breed and Undone. Um, right. Have you heard those? Have you heard those songs? I have heard Undone, and uh-huh. I have heard um, Broken on the Inside, which is crazy heavy and insanely awesome <laughs> riff. And I've heard yeah. Memories, the uh, which is a beautiful ballad on the record as well. So I've heard those tracks. I don't have all uh-huh. of them. I've got some of them. And, um, you yeah. know, it's, uh, I mean, we'll get into more of the full record when the, re- the full yeah. record actually comes out, because then people will have had a chance to hear these songs. But um, it, it was crazy. The, again, I, nobody else has heard this but me, but Broken on the Inside, that riff is insane, Mick. It is so great. <laughs> And the way that song ends, I thought something was wrong with my stereo at first. I was like, oh, something's wrong with the track. Because when yeah. people hear it, there's a really crazy ending to the song. <laughs> that was the idea. Just try not to do everything but saying, you know. Uh, I got stuff that just like completely abruptly ends. You know, just like, and it's cut off. You know, but it's the end of the song instead of a fade. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, broken like, on the inside. Okay. I was ready to call call Steve, who sent it to me, and be like, "Hey, he sent me a bad file here. There's something wrong with the end of it." And then I realized what was going on. <laughs> I, I know. I like it, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. So you got yeah. Jacob, and then on drums, you got a monster drummer who is best known these days for playing in Corn, and that's Ray yeah. Luzier. And I know Ray's in Nashville. So how did he get tied yeah. into the project? Uh, that was from Michael, Michael Wagner. Okay. And, uh, he goes, well, I can get Ray Lucia to play. And I go, oh, really? And he goes, yeah. And I go, get him over here. And he was, he was pretty stoked. Ray was. I'm sure. I got, I still got a, I got, I still got like all of the sticks here that he broke during that recording that record, <laughs> you know? So I just, you know. I don't know. Make a bundle and send them out to people too, you know, and just go like, here, this is Lizier that he played on this and this and this and this, you know? Right. So, 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of something cool that, you know, to, to, to give, you know, uh, my fans, you know, at least, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, uh, well, the and then the not, other the other guy the other guy that came into the picture here and played a role in the record is a guy named Chris Collier who not only mixed the yeah. record but played bass on it as well, right? Yes. Now that guy, Chris Collier, is uh, um, he uh, did a lot of the corn stuff as well. You know, the heavier bands like that, mm-hmm. and. Um, when he mixed and mastered it, you know, it's like I didn't like the bass parts on it. So I flew him out here to Nashville, lives in Las Vegas, and I flew him out here and I go, help me with this. And so he played bass on all of the stuff too. You know, and I was going like, that's what I need to hear, <laughs> you know. So it's like, Finding the right people, you know, is I don't know. It's the most important, and a lot of people think they find the right person, and it turns out not. <laughs> so right, I well, and that and I, that's I, too. I, you got to you got to navigate through all that stuff, and that's another thing that leads to it taking so long to finally get it right and get it out. the The last piece of this, in terms of putting this record together. Uh, you you do have a vocalist besides Jacob on the record named Brian Gamboa, if I'm saying that right. Um, what yeah. is the story with him, and how did you decide to use a second vocalist on some tracks? Um, well, I this may sound like a little off kilter, but it shows my age too. <laughs> like, we'll take it back to the Beatles, you know. There was John Lennon that sang Lee. There was Paul that sang Lee. Not all the same voice on every track. Mm-hmm. And Brian's voice, when we were uh, tracking um, um, Killing Breed, and again, one take. One take for him. And it gave it that angst that that song needed. And the same with uh, undone. He came from, uh, he's a friend of Paul's. So it's like okay. this big circle, but, but it's like, you know, um, he came and saw those, I mean, sang them and it was like, that's it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of voice that this particular song needs. And to me, if I was to ever, you know, tour again, I would have, you know, at least two lead singers. Take the stress off of one guy and one type of voice the whole time. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, this fits here. Ah, oh, this is great. Oh, wow. A different, you know what I mean? Just a, a, a variety as opposed to like one, you know? Yeah, no. I, I'm I'm a little weird, but you know I no, it's I don't I don't I think, think it's weird at all. It makes sense. I understand completely what you're saying. Yeah, I mean I think about a lot of stuff like that. You know, um, you know, like I don't know. I just try to not be different. Music is music, but maybe different sounds or different tones or different 
uh, you know, removed from like the ordinary, here comes a new song after you hear one on a record and it's the same key. <laughs> if you know what I mean. If, if mm-hmm. you put one, I, I sit here on, on sometimes on, on, uh, on my, uh, um, computer and I'll put up the song and I'll just keep punching different parts of it because they're all in key. I can make a brand new song, out of it. Mm. <laughs> you know, because it's often the same thing and they fit, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I play around with stuff like that, but. Well, well, Mick, overall, with the, you said something to something to me funny the, the other yesterday or two days ago via text. You said when I first you first asked me about the music, you you texted me. You go, "Not what you would expect from an old geezer like me." Is what you texted me. <laughs> yeah, I know. and but but uh, yeah. that let's talk let's talk about that for a second because me I, and I would I could probably say I'm guilty of this too for whatever reason because your guitar playing is so bluesy and so tasty. Not to say it's mm-hmm. not on this material it certainly is but because you brought such a bluesy element to all of those great motley Crue songs and records Uh i think most people myself included had the assumption that when you did a solo record it was going to be not a heavy record and more of a bluesy kind of thing that was going to go into that area more than it would be into a hard rock area you you've surprised everybody here because you've come with a very heavy modern sounding record was that always the intention is that always wanted what you wanted to do and is is that what plays into the title the other side of mars yes exactly exactly right um because i I, I figured everybody was, because I love the blues. I love jazz. I love blues. I love all that stuff. Um, and I was pretty sure that, you know, the Mars listening audience would expect that. And I didn't want it to be predictable. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I want to get like big, thick, heavy stuff that, um, Sometimes I couldn't do. <laughs> um, I mean, I could always do it, but um, yeah, I think that everybody was thinking more that it was going to be a little bit more bluesy and you know uh, that kind of stuff. So I went the opposite direction, and there's also some stuff on there like Undone, if you've heard mm-hmm. it or not. It's like even further off the path, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? The, uh, the, the old, what they say, beaten path. Right. I'm, I'm trying to go a little bit left on that, you know, with the, with undone, it's kind of like a direction. Maybe like I'm going to do a little bit further on that direction, you know, uh, as far as like changing my style and reinventing myself again, because I, I I get stagnant, stale. <laughs> you know, it's like no, I don't want to do that. I want to move on and keep doing stuff unexpected. I guess, <laughs> you know. So, and that that is a direction I want to. Well, with this with this album, I kind of hint around on it on those two songs that Brian sang on, mm-hmm. um, and and just just to kind of like feel around and, and 
and hear what you know uh, you know fans people think of it you know they might go like oh that's hideous <laughs> you know or they might go love it you know so, so i don't know i'm i'm doing a little bit of a gamble but not really no i, I mean and and really, i've heard undone and undone undone is a killer track that's the other one i, I did here and I got to tell you, and and Mick, I don't know how much, I mean, again, the audience and people listening and people in the world so far, they've only heard the one song, Loyal to the Lie, which Mm -hmm. is officially out today. But Mm -hmm. the people that I've talked to, and and I'm being totally honest with you, friends, listeners, fans, whatever it may be, have largely Mm -hmm. loved what you've done here. And it was a risk for you to do something very modern sounding like this and heavy like this. Um, compared mm-hmm. to what the expectation was. But have you picked up on that? I mean, I know we're only not even 24 hours out from it actually being out, but have you picked up that that the the vast majority of people are oh. really rooting for you and really digging what this is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm knocked out. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I, you know, I'm almost like, I'm not speechless, but I'm speechless. In other words, I'm loving the way and the positive reaction of, of everybody is like i mean i guess satisfying to me because so many people are really digging it and i'm going like you know that kind of a thing and i you know i, I don't know I, I'm, I'm just thrilled to death you know that so many people are digging it and a little earlier, you were talking about um, my album, right? The, the, I, I wanted to also give. Um, do you know how diverse my record is? What's that? How Any? so? The diversity well, yeah, the, of it. I, I mean, it's like the four songs. Well, yeah, the, the four songs I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mem- memories is obviously radically different than you know, than something like uh, Broken on the Inside. So, yes, yes. from what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I, I wanted to give some diverse things. And it's like, I, with, with, with memories, let's say. That that song, what I had in mind, I wrote it on guitar. And I had Paul transfer it or transpose it to piano, right? And then I go, that's it, nothing else. No drums, no nothing, nothing. As if the, as if uh, uh, Freddie Mercury would come out from the back of the stage and just like play and sing, you know, mm. that that type of thing is what I wanted to capture on that song, and I think that I came pretty close. Uh, and uh, um, Jacob played all the strings on it. Oh wow! Violin stuff, but that's mm-hmm. the solo I wrote. <laughs> I oh, wrote I the see. solo for that, and he goes, and I go. He goes, I love that solo so much. I I just did it on violin, viola, and this. Stuff. <laughs> I go, cool. But it sound it sounded just right, you know. Um, no no kind of bells and whistles. It's just pure raw, but really good song you know and when i get ready to do the video you're gonna you're gonna go what 
Because <laughs> what oh, I yeah. have in mind for it is is pretty a tearjerker. <laughs> yeah, and people again, people have not had the benefit of hearing this song, but when they do, you will absolutely hear the diversity in this record because it's completely different than something like Loyal to the Lie, which is the one track that's yeah. out now. Um, speaking of videos, Mick, the video for Loyal to the Lie was released today, which is perfect for Halloween. Very cool looking, yeah. very yeah. Halloween-y sort of video. Tell me about yeah. making the video and how you did that. Oh, that was that was fairly easy. You know, it's like not really easy, but fairly easy. Um, that song, of course, I think everybody knows is about cults. And so it wasn't very hard to think of that kind of a theme, I guess, on the on the video, because it's, you know you see pictures of cult leaders like uh, Heaven's Gate guy and uh, uh, Manson and and Jim Jones and all those people that are loyal to these people that you know give me all your money, give me all your this, give me your house, give me your this, give me your that. And in the end, what? They're dead, right? <laughs> they, you know, Jim Jones with his Kool-Aid and, and Heaven's Gate with their volumes and vodka and all that stuff. And it's like they're, most of them end up gone. And it's like, why do you want to do that, man? And so it's like, I, I that's, Basically, what what you know the the video is is, is based on is like me. I'm, here I am. Here's my staff, and <laughs> you know, and it's like so many people are just loyal to lies and manipulation and stuff, and it's just you know it it, it, it I don't know. It makes me upset. <laughs> Mad, Mick, did you did you write did you write a lot of the lyrics on the record, or did somebody else work with you on the lyric in the lyrics department? Um, Paul did quite a bit, and uh, Jacob did some as well. I mean, we did mm -hmm. we did collaborate together on those uh, things, but it's like I had a specific thing that I wanted to write about, and 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 you know bring it across or bring it to attention or bring it to this. Some of the songs are just, you know, songs about something, but there are some of the songs that really have meaning to them, like loyal to the lie and like, uh, memories and, you know, um, right side of wrong. That song is, it's an oxymoron song, right? But what what is it, what it's kind of like is like here's Return of the Jedi and then there's Boba Fett or whoever the heck over here, and both of them think they're right, but they're not. They're wrong, <laughs> you know. The right side of wrong is you know, like I said, an oxymoron. It's not meant to be confusing and stuff, but it's like how that happens, you know. And, you know, I got to tell you, I'm glad I'm glad that you uh, explained just now what Loyal to the Lie is about, that it's about cults, because I got to yeah. tell you, and you may pay, be picking up on this, and I know you're in the early going here, and some may ask you about it, but there were more than one, more than one listener said to me, oh, Loyal to the Lie, that's about Mick's grievance with Motley Crue right now. 
And I said, maybe not, because I'm sure this was written a long time ago, but is there mm -hmm. some messaging in it or is it purely about, was it, is it have nothing to do with that? No, I, you know, Motley will always be uh, a part of me, my legacy, my stuff that I've done. And I loved what, you know, we've done, but there's a time to call it, you know, and with, with this crap that I have is uh, gotten a little rough on me traveling. So it's like, you know, it, it is what it is, but no, no, that song is full blown just against the lie, whether it be cultist or I'm not going to say government, but I said governors, right. <laughs> you know, government and that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, gullibility. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know where to exactly, you know, put the finger on it, but it's like, it was for that reason of uh, people being lied to, people being manipulated, people doing this. And, and, and in the end, like I said, they die. They're dead. The, the cult guy, you know, where, where did Jim Jones go? He finally got killed. <laughs> you know, he didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Everybody else right. did. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? No doubt. Like, yeah, that, no, totally. That, Totally. I'm glad you cleared that up because that's definitely going to be something that people kind of just jumped to. Um, a couple more things, Mick, and then I'll let you go. And I, I really want to do a whole lot more with you when people can hear all these other songs and the record is out. But yeah. um, spe speaking of your health, how are you? How are you? How are you physically? How do you feel? And is your condition at all impacting your ability to play? Not at all. My ability to play is as strong as it ever was. I think it could tell by my record. Yeah. Um, my mind is perfectly normal. I, you know, you know, I, 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 you know, how when you, well, you're not very old, but I'm an old guy, and I still feel like my brain says you're only 19. You know how that works, and it's like, no, there's nothing wrong with my memory there's nothing wrong with anything except for you know i have as and that stuff gets to be pretty painful when you have to travel and 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 the intensity of that you know about you know get on this flight and fly here 13 hours and then get up and play and do this and then go up. It, it gets to be pretty much of a beating and I, you already know you've been out there with it. <laughs> when you, well, you yeah, I mean, when you, when you were a little kid. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, look, I, remember, I, look got, for, I still got photos of you with 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 Molly. <laughs> oh, I got a photo with you when you guys were opening for Ozzy, which is classic. And, <laughs> yeah. and I was a kid. Yeah, that's when I first started forty years ago. So I'm not young, yeah. Mick, by any stretch. You know, I got my aches and pains too, but it's nothing compared to what you deal with. And you know, uh, you mentioned, you touched on earlier if you were able to do live shows. Now I know the idea of large scale touring is probably going to be difficult for you, but is there a side to you that would like to put a band together and hopes to go out, even if it's a local date there in Nashville and actually go up and play this stuff live? Is that a goal for you? Um, well, you know, it, it's, I, I'm a little bit, um, I would like to, well, I've said before 
that I would uh, do like, I mean, if, if, if somebody really, really wanted to see, you know, this live kind of a performance as a, a one night, you know, and there's like, or a residency for, you know, three or four nights or whatever, something like that. I could probably do that pretty easily. But as far as flying and traveling and all that stuff, oh, no, no. That's that's way behind, you know. But uh, that that kind of thing I could, I could do. Um, I mean, flying to Europe and flying to Japan and then flying to Australia and doing this and going through crowds and going to blah, 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 blah becomes a beating, <laughs> even on a youngster. How how hard was the stadium tour for you, given all of that? And were, did you kind of go into that somewhat reluctantly, given, you know, Motley made such a big deal about the contract and never coming back and doing this? Was that a tough thing for you on a, on a few fronts to go through? Or were you, after you kind of got out there, were you all down with it? Um, when I first um, heard about it, it was like an interesting thing you know, to do a stadium tour, and it started off to be only 10, right? And so, okay, but it kept adding and adding and adding and adding, and and that's cool, too. So I just got a bus, you know, <laughs> and I just, like, you know, stayed in that all the time. You know you know how it is, like, on, on, on tour here. It's like, you know, you got a two-day drive. Okay, better than being on a plane. <laughs> you know, I got everything right here. You know, so it wasn't that bad on on that one, but um, yeah, I mean, it it is what it is, you know, and, and I did what I needed to do, and uh, that that was that, you know. Is there? I know, I know that the the lawsuit with Motley has been very public, and there's been articles and interviews from both sides, and all of that. And I don't expect you to rehash all of that. I don't even know what you can and can't say legally. But is there anything that you can update people on as far as where that stands and if it's close to reaching a resolution that, that you're comfortable with? Um, actually, I'm, I, I can't talk about it. Okay, so there's nothing you can say. But it's still ongoing. Um, yes. And, and that's about do you have... Okay. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I would never press you on anything legal like that. But uh, can you say what your thoughts of our, you know, John Five is a, a longtime close friend, and he was just on this show on Friday, and he mm -hmm. absolutely loves you and has been mm -hmm. d telling me how all he's doing is trying to do everything he can to be faithful to the songs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. He's like a kid in a candy store to have the gig. What are your thoughts yeah. on him um, being in Motley right now? Um, I think John was a, a very good choice. Um, I've known John for quite a while too. And, uh, I know that he's always, you know, liked the band and liked my playing. And, you know, when he, when he compares some of my souls with the Mozart, like he did in a guitar magazine or something, I was going, okay. <laughs> You know, but I think I think he was a uh, a great choice. Yeah, I've not seen them yet with him, but I uh, I know that he's you know he's having a good time doing it. But 
He's always very deferential, as he should be to you and the legacy you created there and the great music mm-hmm. and songs and solos and tone and everything that's uh, such a big part of the the Motley sound. It's uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a tough thing to replicate, but he's he's given it his best. That's for sure. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, well, and, yeah. and Mick, do you, do, did I hear just in closing here? Did I hear correctly? I think I read one interview with you this morning in in a print somewhere where you, it said you were already working on a follow up record. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, I am. I'm in my studio right now. <laughs> How far along so. are you on that? I've got uh, about mm, maybe a, a handful of really killer ideas. Um, I have two songs. Uh, one one is almost finished, um, and the other one, you know, need to write some lyrics to it and stuff, and make sure that the song flows right and stuff. And it's like, you know, but I got quite a few ideas and um you know because I, I i really have nothing but time now you know so it's like you know it's it's pretty easy for me to go like uh, okay i'll go down and play around and see what i can come up with you know so yeah yeah i'm I'm working on this you know what luckily for me you know i don't have uh straight up i'm going to say it this way when you're in a band and you're a touring band and you put out records, and I think you pretty much know this as well, that uh, you can go out nine or ten months, you know, and, and come back and, and you got uh, the record company and your manager and stuff. Oh, we need a new album in six weeks. And it's never as good as the first one. And then you're back out on tour again, you know. And yeah. so it's, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have to have that right? locally. <laughs> well, so, with that being yeah. said, Mick, this is a great question. I always wanted to ask you, and that maybe ties in here. What is your favorite, personally, what is your favorite Motley Crue record? Hmm. <laughs> All of them. Except for Generation Swine. That one was too rough. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit rough one. You really think they're all equally great? You like them all equally? Well, there's certain songs on each one of them that I really like, yeah. Right. Um, on, on each individual ones, it's like there's, there's, you know, songs on there that I really like and some songs are, uh, you know, I call them filler songs. And... I know that you know what that is too. Um, I can, you know, uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, I I like pretty much uh, quite a few of the songs on, you know, all. You know, I I I agree with you that there's stuff on all the records that I like. Even believe it or not, Generation Swine. There's a couple things on there I like, but I mm-hmm. uh, to me, I always go to the first record. I. Because you made that mention about you have your, fir- your your whole life to do that first record, and I just yeah. love Too Fast for Love. To this day, it's my top to bottom. Uh, I love that record. And then, of course, I, I'm sure you're aware, but this mega deluxe box set of Shout at the Devil just came out for its anniversary oh, yeah. with some extra mm-hmm. stuff on there. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, just maybe because of my age, I always default to those those early records. But that first album is just that perfect mix of metal, glam, pop, a little bit of everything going on. I just love the sound of it. I love everything about it. Yeah, that's that's the hungry years, you know, and you really you're hungry for that. And then after you get it, it's like you're full. So you put out, you know, a lot of bands. Aren't reminded oh, yeah. of being hungry. <laughs> no, they go like they put out, you know, a poopy album. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like to all the musicians out there, never not get full. Be hungry all the time, all the time, all yeah. the time. Reinvent, reinvent yourself. Redo this, redo this, redo this. Don't repeat. God, you know. Yeah. That's why I'm so and what, old. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, one, one more thing on the Motley catalog. You know, over the years, you know what's crazy is the one record with Karabi has become this mm-hmm. thing where people absolutely love that self-titled record now. I talk to John about it all yeah. the time. It comes up uh-huh. constantly with fans to me. That record, even at the, t- all the, at the time being a tough sell, has aged remarkably uh-huh. well. Yeah. Well, that, that you know... At the time, you know, people actually weren't ready to accept it. But, you know, things, you know, after time and stuff and then all this, you know, it's like, oh, okay. How come this didn't, you know? So it's it's all good, you know. Um, with, you know, people rediscovering stuff like that is cool, you know? Yeah. It's like if, uh, if, you know, you rediscover, you know, an old Beatles song, or an old Stone song, like, you know, you know, I, I don't know, you rediscover and you go, oh, whoa, that's better than I remember. <laughs> you right. know? So it's like that, that kind of a deal for me. And I thought it was a great album when it came out. And I still do. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really happy that a lot of, people are rediscovering that album actually. Totally. You know? Yeah. And totally. Yeah. Cause that, that one has a lot of really good songs on it. Um, yeah. As well, very meaningful things to, you know, so it's, yeah. It was, and Mick, uh, l- last thing, uh-huh. last thing, and I'll let you go and get back to your studio. I never asked you this because when the dirt came out, Nikki and Tommy mm-hmm. did this show to promote it. We did it from L.A. when when the premiere mm-hmm. happened. But I never mm-hmm. had a chance to hear from you and, and ask you what you thought of The Dirt and how you were portrayed and what you thought of that movie. The movie? Yeah. Um, I thought that uh, it won. You know, the guy that played uh, Game of Thrones and was the mm-hmm. bastard. <laughs> uh, he did an amazing job. He he portrayed me pretty much how I am. Mm-hmm. And which is like kind of kick back and mellow and, you know, effing teenagers and stuff <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. So I, I thought he, he, he did a great job and I thought the movie was pretty close, but you know, you can't feel, you can't really feel a, a 90 minute movie. And, you know, that's, been 40 years, you know, or 30 years or whatever it was, you know? 
You just can't. And whenever, <laughs> whenever you do, whenever you do a movie like that, there's always going to be some liberties taken by the writer or the director to make it a, a more compelling story or what have you. Even in the Queen biopic, there's some of that. And I remember, uh, I remember, I walked out of the premiere the night it premiered in L.A. and I ran into Doc mm-hmm. McGee and I'm talking to him out on the sidewalk. And there's that scene in there where. Uh, you know, Doc brings his mother or something to meet Nikki, and that's when he gets fired. And I talked to Doc. Remember, I'll never forget, I saw Doc out on Sunset Boulevard. I go, what'd you think of the movie? He goes, I liked it. He goes, but I never even met Nikki's mother. <laughs> so I was like, I well, know, there's huh? that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that got changed up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah. And there's it, always going to be the Hollywood stuff in, in a biopic like that that has to be in there for the timeline or the story or whatever. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it's like, you know, you're absolutely right on that. Sometimes writers take liberties and, and, and change things up, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know, I don't know, maybe they thought it was too violent or something. I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, well, listen, man, I, I can't thank you enough for, for letting me premiere the song yesterday and for, we just did an hour straight and I can't thank you enough for the time. And I'm re- honestly, Mick, I, you know, you and I have gone back on this for a long time and I can say truly, mm-hmm. I am so happy for you that this thing is finally out the song, the record coming on February 27th. I know the fans are myself included uh, happy for you that it's coming and to hear you uh, active and, and making music like this is great. And I can't wait for everybody to hear the full record and we'll definitely do more when the full record comes. And I'm going to tell you, man, I got my fingers crossed that even if it's a residency, I think your fans uh-huh. will come to you, but it'd be wonderful to see up there playing guitar again and playing some of these songs on stage. I might be sitting. <laughs> no. That's all right. Um, th- thank, thank you, Eddie. I, I, you know, I, and you know what? Thank you too so much. For, I mean, for all these years, you know, uh, uh, seeing Motley and seeing this and doing it and debuting my record, that means a tremendous a lot to me. You well, know, I appreciate I mean, it. Thank you for letting me do it. <laughs> it's all good, man. Um, Mick, all the best to you and we'll continue. Uh, I'm sure we'll, you'll be, I'm, ass- I'm assuming with the album coming February 27th, you'll, release another song or two prior to the album actually coming oh, yeah. out? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think I you know what the next one's going to be? Out. I think it's, oh, uh, Right Side of Wrong, I believe is okay. going to be the next. And then I'm going to kind of like venture into Undone. Okay. Right around the, right around the album release. And so it's like there's there's three different types of songs, you know? So... This is, I don't know, just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, listen, man, congratulations to you. And again, I'm happy for you. And uh, thank you again for the time. And you know where to get me. We'll be talking soon. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Mick, All right. take care. Okay, thank Bye-bye. you, Eddie. Bye. You got it. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. 
Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. When Tillamook ice cream beckons you to the freezer aisle, which irresistibly creamy flavor do you choose? While you're thinking, try not to fuck up the glass. Tillamook ice cream. Extraordinary dairy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so hope you guys enjoyed Mick Mars. That was a lot of fun. You know, Mick was referencing how far we go back there. And one of the reasons for that was because there is a photo, and it's made the rounds a lot over the years. And I guess Mick saw it. I don't know if I ever really sent it to him. But uh, the story behind it is I'm – I'm 17, 18 in the picture, and it was 40 years ago. So it was when, so I was probably 18, I guess, uh, right when I started in radio. And the story behind that photo is Motley were opening for Ozzy. And the show was at the Meadowlands Arena in New Jersey. And the bill was Ozzy, who was on Bark at the Moon at the time, Motley in the second spot, who was on Shout at the Devil at the time. And the opening act was Wasted, which was, of course, the band with Pete Way from UFO. So it was a great bill. And I was brand new in radio at the time. I had just started, and I just started doing a metal show on radio in New Jersey. And Ozzy was going around, well, Ozzy's label at the time was going around to radio stations in wherever the tour was uh, hitting and asking if anyone would like to go on stage and be a part of the Ozzy show. So being the the metal kid at my local rock station in New Jersey, DHA back then, the, the program director at the time said, hey, You know, I just started this thing called the metal show and I just started doing it on the weekends there. And he said, Hey, you know, do you want to go and be on stage with Ozzy at the Meadowlands? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) what? So at 18, I was dispatched to the, the show. And the bit that they were doing was. There's a song called, uh, by Ozzy, uh, journey to the center of eternity if you know the song on that record and during that song they would have a moment where they would send out whatever person was doing this in whatever city 
I'm assuming they did it in all the cities. I doubt they just did it in New Jersey. But the per they would dress the person in a monk outfit, like a robe, a hooded robe with like a rope tie at the waist. And they said, uh, what you need to do is during that song, which has this, had this big elaborate keyboard intro, they would hand you this goblet and you'd have to walk up the stairs, across the stage, to the center of the stage and hand the goblet to Ozzy. He would drink from it. He'd hand it back to you and you need to turn around and walk right back off the stage. That was the part. And I did it. So I remember they put the robe on me. I remember they gave me specific instructions. Don't wave. Don't look to the audience. Keep your head down. Don't talk to Ozzy. Hand him the goblet. He hands it back. You walk off. That's it. So I did that at the Meadowlands Arena in front of like 15,000 people. I remember there's all kinds of shit thrown on the stage. Again, back then, 83, whatever it was, not people didn't have cell phones. People didn't have cameras. People didn't have video cameras. I mean, that was all not a thing. Remember back in those days, you weren't allowed to bring a camera in. You got patted down for cameras. So I have no documentation of me on the stage doing it beyond the fact that I know I did it. And I, I talked to Jakey Lee about this once too. I'll never forget. He was standing by his amp when I did it and his guitar cord was going right across the stage. And I was this close to tripping in front of 15,000 people on stage. And Jake saw me about to trip and whipped his cord and saved me. Uh, Jake didn't know me then, but I've talked to him about it since. But I did it. So anyway, I come off the stage. I remember the robes smelled awful because uh, you figured they did that in whatever other cities. They probably never washed them. You're nervous. Whoever's in the robe, like myself at that time, sweating. Robes were disgusting. But you, you did it. It was awesome. And then when I came off the stage, they put me in this dressing room to take the robe off and whatever. And some of the guys from wasted came in that room and I met them and took a photo with them. But the only guy from Motley Crue that came into the room and said, hello, who I didn't know personally at all at the time I was 18 was Mick. And I remember he was holding a bottle of champagne and, uh, my friend Ron, who to this day is a friend of mine. And to this day takes photos of me, Ron Akiyama, he was there and he took photos. So there's a photo of me and my friends with Mick Mars. You know, Mick is on Shout at the Devil, and we're 18 years old, whatever we were, and Mick stopped, and we took a photo. I remember he's holding the champagne bottle. It's been, it's in my book. It's It's been around. It's made the rounds on the internet. If I can find it, I may post it later just for fun. But it's funny when Mick said during the interview, he goes, well, you and I go back a long ways. That's what the, the, the photo, that's what he's referencing. Cause it's a pretty classic photo. And we were both obviously a lot younger then. And that's where, you know, it started for me and music and really where Motley really started to take off. Big thanks to Mick Mars. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Really, really good stuff. And uh, appreciate Mick taking the time. And I really do like what he's doing. Very unexpected, different direction than you would have expected, but uh, I think it's real cool, and I know the people involved with them on the record, and they're very talented people, so uh, hoping that he can find a way to do some live shows 
We'll see, given his condition, but really happy for him that he managed to get this record out. Hey, follow me on everything I got going on on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter or X, Facebook page or Instagram. Listen every day on Sirius XM Faction Talk 103, live 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Uh, next week, I'll be coming to you on the radio from Cancun, the big Sands event that happens there every year that I'm a co-host of. Excited for that. A lot of other stuff, some big stuff coming up in L.A., D.O. Bowling. Tons of appearances coming up for me as well. Check the website, eddietrunk.com. They're all listed there on the homepage. We bring you music news as well each and every day, updated on the homepage of eddietrunk.com, my website. You guys have yourselves a great rest of the week. I hope to catch you on the radio, if not back here next Thursday, for another all-new podcast. And next week, a big conversation with Wolfgang Van Halen. You don't want to miss that. Take care. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.